All right. Hey, guys. Thanks for joining me for another episode of Real Live Talk. My name is Duke Lamastra. I'm your host. Just really, really appreciate you for taking the time to check out this episode. And I'm uh, I'm pumped for the opportunity to have the conversation tonight with my guest, uh, Pastor Ricardo Johnson, who is a brand new friend of mine. We're just getting to know each other. And uh, I'm just excited to talk with Ricardo this evening. Ricardo uh, received his call into the ministry at the age of 17. And after working in Christian radio for a number of years, he entered into full-time pastoral ministry back in 2002. In 2012, he moved to uh, pretty much my neck of the woods down here in lower Alabama uh, in Baldwin County to focus on church planting. And currently, he's the lead pastor of Legacy Family Church in Daphne, Alabama. Ricardo, hope you can hear me okay, and I appreciate you being here, man. Thanks for doing this with me tonight. Oh, thank you, Duke. We appreciate it, and uh, God bless you for um, testing me out and seeing how I'm going to do here. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's good to get to know you, too, and it's cool that we, we live so close to one another, and yeah. we've got some stuff in common. Even yeah. the names of our churches are very, very yeah. similar and yeah. stuff like that, so um, it's cool, man. I'm excited for this conversation just to really just kind of have some fun with you tonight and get to know you and ask you some sure. questions and we'll kind of see sure. where the conversation goes and how it develops sure. and all that. But, uh, but yeah, it's an honor to meet you. And uh, this is really our first actual conversation other than some texting, you know, back and forth on LinkedIn and stuff like right. that. So. Right. Right. So um, let's start real basic, man. Where did you grow up? I grew up in a small town uh, about a little bit South of Ohio, uh, Cleveland, Ohio, um, the city that everybody jokes about, but <laughs> this little town was called Medina, small little town. And, and uh, I grew up, yeah, grew up a Baptist, um, you know, um, grandfather was a deacon for like, almost seemed like 40 years in the church <laughs> that I grew up in. Um, my dad was not a church goer, <laughs> but my mom okay. was, and my dad would go to church, but my, you know, at times when my mom was a real spiritual, um, catalyst in the family. Yeah. So I kind of grew up in an area like that and uh small town atmosphere and, um, where they would trust, they would leave the doors open at nighttime, <laughs> front doors <laughs> open at nighttime. And uh, you can't do that now. <laughs> Different world back then, huh? Different world back then. I mean, I would ride, I tell my kids um, that I would ride my bike um, all across town and my mom would say, just be home before dark, you know, that, that kind of thing. And I would be home and I would be there before dark and nothing would happen, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Just kind of a basic upbringing you know as far as that goes nothing really exciting about that my mom and dad were married um for almost 70 years um thank god wow. had, you know and they never um um i mean <laughs> there were times where there were some touch and go moments let's be honest <laughs> i mean they were they would maybe argue with one another but they stuck it out man for 70 close to 70 years and he died wow first. And I Good was able, this is awesome, Duke. I, I, I really am, what I'm getting ready to tell you is really awesome because it really touched me. I was able to do both of their funerals. Um, my dad um, died first at 89 and I was able to preach his funeral. Um, and uh, then my mom, which was the hardest, of course, she mm. died at 95 years old. Wow. And, 
so I was able, I was there, I got, drove all the way up to Ohio because I was living down here and got there and she was still alive, but just barely. And I told her, I'm here, mom. And then I went back to change because I had drove, driven 19 hours. It's a long trip from here up to Ohio. And, and I said, I'll be back um, to see you in the evening. I'm just going home to change and get, you know, you know, just get straightened out because we've been driving all day long. So I went back and before I could get to the hospital, they told me she had passed. I mean, back mm. to the place where she was staying. They told me she had passed. So, um, yeah, so I did her funeral. So I preached both of their funerals. And uh, um, that was awesome to be able to preach preach their funerals. But um, Wow. So. so so that town, small town, um, was it like rural, a lot of farmland kind of thing? Or was it an actual, you know, town, just really, really small? Yeah, it was actual town, just really, really small. I mean, on the outskirts, they had some farmland. But where I grew up in was like a town that was just really small. It was a town. It had, you know, town square, everything, you know, town bank. Everybody knew everybody. How you doing, Joe? Hey, you know, kind of like if you got in trouble, people knew your parents. And But now the place is not that way. It's, it's pretty big now, Medina. I mean, I think it still has somewhat of a small town um, effect, but now it's pretty big it's 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 grown to be pretty big but yeah it was a great i i i when i look back on it duke i think man i i was blessed to grow up in that kind of environment i mean i know a lot of people have stories where you know i grew up in a drug infested you know <laughs> home sure. and, and they have all these bad situations like i grew up you know with abusive father abusive mother and all that stuff and i mean my dad was world war ii veteran so he was pretty strong about some things but he wasn't um abusive neither was my mom they disciplined us like most parents but um they you know yeah they were good people they were good people mm. and were known in the community as being good people so that's that was a blessing <clears throat> to be in that kind of situation so yeah, yeah. well thank god for mothers that uh yeah, you know, took us to church, yes. and that took that took charge of our you know spiritual growth and development yes. and stuff like that. I had a I had a similar situation, yeah. and uh, my dad was in church, but he was also you know kind of in church and out of church for a lot of years. And same, my same. mom was definitely the one that kind of yes. kept things going, and uh, she was kind of my anchor point for a lot of years, sort of my strongest connection to to God, and the one that really you know, taught me at home, you know, taught me the word and taught me to pray and taught me to read the Bible and, you know, taught me like some disciplines of, of, uh, you know, just growing with the Lord and, and being willing to, you know, sacrifice some time that as a kid, I might've been, you know, wanting to do other things or whatever, but she kind of instilled those values in me from a young age. And, uh, yeah, so thank God for for moms that <laughs> that kept us, you know, somewhat on the right path uh, through those those early years. It's true. That's true. Yeah. Well, that's such there. a blessing, man, to be in the position that you're that you're in today, and to have been able to come full circle and to be able to honor your mom and your dad in that way. It's very cool. I felt, I felt that I felt Duke that that was. Uh, uh, I said, "Wow, what a what an honor." and uh they would want me to do do it also you know that they would want me to do it that was that was the uh that was the blessing 
uh, my mom, you know, and my dad both were in agreement, you know, and uh, so yeah, we did it. I was I was part of the church that my my mom stayed at the same church all of her life. She was, you know, involved with the choir and. So I was part of that church when I was growing up. So when I came back, it was the, the pastor knew me. He said, uh, are you going to do this? I said, yeah. He said, can you do this? I said, yeah, I can do it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can get emotional. I mean, especially for my mom, you know, and, and I said, man, you know, but uh, I have the sermon. I've never put it online. I almost was going to put it on my uh, my website, but I've never done it yet. I don't know why I haven't done it. It was like a couple of years ago. You know, and I haven't done it yet, but it was a 30 minute message. Um, but I talked about how when you um, don't realize you have greatness and I talked about her being great. Mm. I said how people come in your life and, uh, you know, like people don't realize when things are they're talking to someone and really in history and, and they're, they're a great person. Like I'm, I'm sure Martin Luther King, when he was around. Martin Luther King and everybody knows who Martin Luther King was. I, I'm sure in the moment people just said, oh, well, he's doing speeches. He's trying to uh, help people. But you realize now that that was greatness. That was history being made, you know. And so that's what that's what I said about her and that she was a, um, a great woman, you know, because she was, you know. So anyway. Yeah. I don't know if you want me to keep getting into that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so I didn't mention this at the beginning when I was talking about you, um, but you've got an astronomical number of children, right? So, (laughs) so, so how many years have you been married? I figured, I figured you would, you were going to ask about that. Yeah. It's what we, we, we got married in 2004. So what's that? 18 years uh, going Mm -hmm. on 18 years this year. Yeah, 18 years this year, and we Beautiful. have eight children. And uh, <laughs> just say that number wife, again for the eight. kids in the back that didn't hear you. Eight, 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 eight children, <laughs> and and we're getting ready to have our number ninth. <laughs> um, the way, <laughs> number nine is coming <laughs> in August, and uh, next Tuesday I'm going to find out the sex of number nine. We don't know. We tried. Uh, with number eight, we said we were we, we were going to wait till the baby came out, and that killed me, man. I, I couldn't stand it. it. I'm like, man, I can't. I said, oh, man, and we did it. We did it, and then when the baby came out, I saw it was a girl. I said, wow, man, and my wife said, you want to do that again? I said, no, I don't want to do it. I want to find <laughs> out ahead of time because the suspense kills you. So Tuesday, this coming Tuesday, we're going to find out, you know, what we're having now currently we have five boys and three girls okay five boys and three girls all right ranging from age 15 duke to two you know so what what uh uh, how do i say this what (laughs) were you thinking no (laughs) i'm just kidding (laughs) no but uh you don't have to answer that it's a good story it's a good story you want to hear some of it i would would love to you it's a good story because you know what we were like everybody else. I was single on staff at the church um, uh, up in Ohio, this big church. Um, and uh, uh, 
I, I was my wife when we got married. Another lady at the church said, "You got the number one single bachelor in the church," because <laughs> I was on staff teaching and and ministering, and it was a large church, about twelve hundred. Now and so, um, but anyway, um, yeah, we got we 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 got married, and uh, that's a whole another whole story, because my wife is from Zimbabwe, Africa, mm, which I've been awesome. there. I've been to Africa about three times to two other different nations before I even went to hers. But um, that's interesting. We can talk about that because I've been on missionary trips there to Africa three times, at least two times and then to her place. But um, we we were um, actually started out like everybody else. We got counseling <laughs> from people and uh, leaders at our church. I'll just say leaders at our church set us down and one of them had a, a lot of kids and they said, look, uh, um, not everybody's. And I, I thought that was kind of strange because they had about five kids <laughs> and they said, <laughs> I, not everybody's out to have a lot of kids. What are you guys going to do about that? Are you guys going to do something? Are you just, you guys need to think about that, you know, before you get married and stuff. So we were kind of going along with everybody else and uh, with the plan of just, you know, two point, one children or whatever. Two sure, kids. sure. And uh, what started touching, and it started with me first. My wife always says it started with me, and then she got a hold of it. But I, I was listening to, and I know now people kind of say about this family because there's some things that have happened with the oldest son. But the Duggards that have 19 kids and counting, they used mm-hmm. to have a show on, uh, um, uh, what's it? The show on on TLC. Yeah, and, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, the, and it's called 19 Kids and Counting. And uh, she came on one time, and this is her mantra. She always said that they started out kind of like we did. And then the Lord spoke to them, and they said that God spoke to them and started speaking to their hearts and saying, you need to have the same heart I have for children. You got to love children like I love children. And uh, put the same, and they said, God, put your heart in me for children. And when they said that, 19 kids started coming. God started <laughs> blessing them. When they started, God said, because God's word says, be fruitful and multiply. And they took that literally. So, mm. and, but I thought about that and I thought, wow, do I have the heart of God that God has for kids? Or are they a nuisance to you? Or are they a bother to you? Or do you have the heart? that God has for children. And when I started thinking about that, I said, I don't. I said, I need to open my heart. And I was discussing with my wife and she would watch that, those shows and hear her and stuff. And slowly, God just started dealing with our hearts. So we had our first one, then we had our second, and then we had our third. And then we just, after that, God just kept dealing with our hearts about it and just kept, they just kept coming. <laughs> one after another. <laughs> he just kept going. <laughs> so we're 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 hey people think we're crazy but uh we're not crazy we're we just feel we're blessed i mean mm. it's you should see our house at nighttime man if we don't me and my wife the only time we have to tell them okay you guys we love you we love every one of you but it's time for y'all to get out of our room at nighttime yeah man <laughs> Because they're all coming in there. It's time for you guys to get in your own beds and go to sleep because me and your mom want to have some quiet time or time alone because when they wake up, it's it's been it's it's on the it's on the move until nighttime. They wake up. It's uh it's 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 pretty wild in our house in dinner. 
you can't you you have to speak over one another because there's so many people speaking and talking mm. it's pretty amazing <laughs> when you're in the midst of it all it's it, mm. but it's fun man it's it's a blast man you 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 see you see when you see your little ones start you know uh, growing up and start watching their other little ones and it's yeah just a, it's a blast man i mean your house is full is full of life it's full of life yeah <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. No. <laughs> I see. I see. Uh, um, I'm going to live vicariously through you on this one. Um, but I, but no, but I mean, that's a beautiful thing. It's an incredible blessing. I mean, if you for sure, when the grace of God is on your life for for that, you know, like God's not going to call you to do something like this and not give you the grace and not give you the favor not give the abundance and not give you everything that you need to carry it out and to make it happen and it's just such a beautiful thing and i could just imagine that like as you were talking there and describing your family at dinner and all that it's it's got to be chaotic but at the same time just so much beauty in that and i mean you, you know fast forward 20 years from now and you're looking back you're going to have zero regrets in terms wow. of, you know, did we stop having kids too early or, you know what I mean? Like, like, because when they're growing up and they're having their grandkids and your family just continues to grow and multiply more and more, it's just going to be, I mean, it's already a beautiful thing, but it's just going to keep getting, getting better and more full. And uh, it's just, it's just such a cool thing. So well, I hats know, off to you. Well, you, the thing I get, <laughs> the thing I get from people is when they see us, I always hear this, Duke. I've heard it time and time again. I've always heard this from, and it's mostly women. Obviously, they say, "I wish I would have had more kids." Yeah, that's the that's the number one thing. They always say, "Oh, your family's so beautiful," and then they're now they're past the time of having kids, but they regret that they didn't have more. And I've exactly. heard that. If not, I've not heard that once. If I could have a dime for every time I've heard that, I'd be a rich person because they say that and the other caveat i want to add this to to you because um we didn't mention this my wife homeschools so not only do we have you know she your wife let's be honest your wife does. does not homeschool your wife is the principal of an elementary middle school slash high school <laughs> But she does. That's amazing. She actually actually homeschools. She actually homeschools, and she has six six students now. Six. Um, And I was leaving the house today. She had them have their books out. They were doing their math, and my son was saying six take away five, four. You know, what's that? You know, he was one of the. They were doing their math. So she, I don't. She's an incredible woman. I'm blessed. I told her when we moved down here, I said, do you want to continue to do that? Or do you want to put them in school or what? She goes, no, I just feel God's calling me to continue to do that. Mm. So I said, wow. I said, okay, well, we'll we'll continue to do that. And uh, I can see the benefits of it. I can see the benefits of it. I mean, you know what? Financially, you take somewhat of a hit because you don't have two incomes coming in. Just have one, mine and in you know, and so, but you know what? The hit is worth it because I think in the long run, we're going to see God's blessing out of these eight, nine kids yeah. now. You know, yeah. the hit's worth it. I mean, whatever you can suffer a little bit, if if God's going to bless you to see those kids, because they're going to affect the world, right? 
absolutely some way, in some way you're they're going to affect the world and you're hoping they affect the world positively you're praying for that and uh, the thing that god put upon my heart i'll just tell you this that i prayed um for each one of them i still do that they fulfill the purpose for which god created them for every single one of them have a purpose and and i said that's eight purposes more in this earth and now nine coming that god can use and whatever god had them born for whatever god called them to do i pray that they fulfill that purpose people always say well you know i want my kids to <clears throat> they say oh i want my kids to whatever they want to do i want them to do it the best i want them to do do the best at whatever they do i don't say that I don't believe that. I believe that I want them to do what God called them to do. And mm. I want them to do that the best, not just do anything, yeah. you know, but do what God called them to do. Find God's niche, what God um, um, or called them to do, and then do it. And that's what I want them to do. So hopefully they will do that. And, uh, you know, I'll be long gone probably when all of them fulfill it, you know, but, you know, that's that prayer will still be there. And, Maybe they can pray that prayer for their kids too. Wow. So it's it's kind of a it's legacy, legacy family church. <laughs> That's what it's about, you know, legacy, building the legacy. <clears throat> and so God, God, you know, he never in Genesis 1:26, he never relinquished that command, be fruitful and multiply. He never said, Okay, you be fruitful to two, you be fruitful to three. He never relinquished that. He said, be fruitful and multiply, right? That's what he said. So we have to, you know, I, I, I literally, we literally take that. We believe that he's still saying that today. And uh, so we're, we're just blessed. We, we thought we were done at eight. I thought, well, eight must be it <laughs> because she wasn't getting, she, she wasn't pregnant. She wasn't getting pregnant. And I said, well, maybe this is it. And then all of a sudden, one morning, I was kind of half sleep in the bed and she goes honey i gotta tell you something i was like i want to just she goes uh, um i took the pregnancy test and she said we're having another baby i said okay i was just half sleep <laughs> and then so later on i think that day or that evening i asked her i said did you tell me you were pregnant again <laughs> you weren't sure if it was real or if it was a dream yeah, I kind of I was halfway in non and you know half out half in and you know i was like and she goes, yeah, I did. I said, oh, okay, awesome, awesome. I said, that's awesome. But um, yeah, so I'm. I'm that's amazing. Talking. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, so well, you mentioned your, you mentioned your wife being from Zimbabwe. Um, yes. I'm curious how you guys met and um, just sort of. Well, first of all, when you when you guys met, was she here living in this country already or was she here visiting or what was that like was she already li living yeah. here at the time when you guys got together or sure sure she had she had come here to go to school to get a degree in nursing and uh, either that or she was going to go into business um i think she had started out with nursing and so um what was so strange about it it was a god-ordained thing because three separate people told her about the church I was on staff at. Separate people, it were, they weren't even related. Three separate people told her, this church is good. You need to check this church out, you need to check. And so finally, after the third person, she goes, I think I need to go check this church out. You know, So she went 
she came to the church and like I said, I was a pastor there on staff. So I just kind of, um, I saw her and, uh, and I said, I said to my senior pastor, I said, cause the church is, I'm African-American and we talked about this, me and you already And the church was predominantly Caucasian. I mean, there were some African-Americans that went there, you know, and were prominent people, but for the most part, it was more, more Caucasian. So she came and uh, I said, and so I told my pastor, cause I was teaching a class on prayer. And I said, uh, a 12 week course on prayer. And she came to the, uh, she came and she said she wanted to learn about prayer. She wasn't even thinking about talking to me. She came to the class. So I told my pastor, I said, man, there's some really nice looking girl in this class that's <laughs> coming to, and my pastor was encouraging me. He goes, man, talk to her, go talk, talk to her. I said, well, hold on. I said, he was like, you know, he was really encouraging me. So I said, well, you know, I'll pray, you know, we'll pray about it. So I, I prayed about it and I felt like after the class was over, I waited till the class was over and she had went through all the courses and I asked her, you know, to out to like to go in and get something to eat, a bite to eat. And she thought I was going to ask her about the class. She said, that's what she thought first when I came up to her, that I was going to ask her what she thought about the class. Mm -hmm. And I said, uh, I said, well, we can talk about that. I said, but I, I just wanted to talk to you and take you out. So we went out the first time she brought her friend with her and uh after that the rest was history we just kept talking and seeing each other and then you know i finally started dating her and and we became married at the church you know there in in uh westlake ohio so mm. yeah that's awesome so that's, kind of, that's kind of how it happened she um yeah so obviously she didn't pursue any more her um, she stopped pursuing what she th was coming over here for, and she focused on being married <laughs> with me, yeah, and stuff like that. So, well, I'm always curious about just sort of like the inner workings of you know when there's intercultural relationships. Uh, my my wife and I, my wife is from Mexico, and I'm you know for anybody that isn't watch or that's only listening, not watching, I'm a white guy, um, and, <laughs> and uh. Yeah. And so there was there's definitely some some interesting dynamics I and mean, there's always interesting dynamics when two people get together. There's always going to be, you know, it's always two different people from two different cultures, from two different walks of life, whether you're both American or both Mexican or both from Africa or, you know, whatever. There's going to be there's going to be differences in culture because of the way that you were raised, you know, even right. different parts of the country where you were raised and you know, what kind of schools you went to and what kind of if you grew up in a city or a rural area or whatever, there's always going to be those differences that make it, you know, there's there's unique challenges to every relationship is what I'm trying to right, say. Right, right. But I think that it's amplified many times when it's somebody who's from a completely different culture than yours from a you know different nation or something like that, especially right. if there's any kind of uh, maybe between the families, there's some language barriers and just some different things. There's the distance aspect of family and all that yeah. kind of stuff. So just curious, what were, what was that like for, for you guys coming together, getting to know each other? And uh, did you deal with any kind of unique challenges like that along the well, way? Yeah, we, we kind of, um, I mean, you know, they, I don't know how they did with Mexico if they did this, but they, they want, um, her dad was talking about a bride price. Um, mm. and, and you were uh, like, 
pops over my head. What is that all about? So they explained to me and what the culture in Africa was about paying a bride price. Um, My dad was alive at the time and I told him and I don't want to say what he thought about it. He just he goes, man, that says sounds like a scam. <laughs> it sounds like a scam. He didn't say scam, but though he said something else, so I don't want to get into that. But, I see. But uh, he, he, because he wasn't, you know, he would say, just say what he wanted to think. But anyway, but it's really real, and I, and it's a cultural thing. So um, we, you know, I, I discussed with her dad about it, and. Um, we did pay a bride price, you know, uh, you know, and um, they have a name for it. And I wasn't actually there in in Zimbabwe, you know, and, and but I had to actually do that. So I thought that was different. That's obviously different. We don't have to do that. Usually in America, we know this, that the one girl pays for yeah. the wedding, you know, but there it was it was a little <laughs> bit different. So um, and we still you know, do things for their parents, you know, at, at different times, which is cool with me. That's fine with me. And they're, they're my in-laws and I've met them. They've come over here and um, we have a great relationship with them, but I actually saw what they did, the interaction. It was cool to see because her sister, when we were in Zimbabwe, her sister got engaged and married and they had 50 people in this I mean, it, it wasn't even 500 square, maybe 600 square feet house. I don't know. I don't think anything was. I mean, it was it was a house, but it was small. It was yeah. not so big. And they had like 50, 60 people in there. And they were her dad was going back and forth with the the, you know, groom about the bride price. And then, you know, they were actually doing it live there where I had to do it at a distance here in the United States. They, and I saw how they did it and how they, you know, what what happened with that. So you were asking about that. That's one thing different. Mm. You know, she actually I don't know. Does your wife still speak like the, the language, you know, when she calls her parents and stuff like that on the phone? And Yeah, uh, I mean, I have to. Um, so and we lived in Mexico at the beginning of our marriage. We lived in Mexico for the first three years. And mm-hmm. so I learned Spanish as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my wife and I, we've never really had the the custom together of speaking in Spanish. We only do it when we need to, like, hide stuff from our kids. We'll talk in Spanish. <laughs> but but we met in America and I did not speak Spanish at the time. So we, you know, our whole dating relationship, we were speaking English all the time. So we never really developed the custom of speaking a whole lot of Spanish at home. But uh, when I lived in Mexico, I did learn the language and now we still do a lot of ministry um, in Mexico and uh, we do some online, you know, ministry where we have a service, uh, an online service that we do on Sunday mornings in Spanish. And we've done, um, you know, outreach in the Latino communities here in Mobile and, you know, the areas around here a lot over the years. And so we've kind of, we've, we've kept it going. Cause otherwise like I would, you know, it's so easy when you learn a language, that's not your right. native language. It's so easy to forget it if you don't keep practicing it. And right. so I can get rusty like really quick if I don't, if I don't keep it up, but anyway, right. yeah. So my, my mother and father-in-law uh, do not speak English. And they still they live in they still live in Mexico. And so when I speak to them, it's all in Spanish. I mean, my mother-in-law um, knows 
she's she knows a, a good amount of English. Like she'll try right. to speak to me in English because she wants to practice and stuff like that. But right. yeah, from the beginning, that was the most nerve wracking thing for me, man. At the beginning, because wow. um, because I called that? I called up her dad when I wanted to ask and, his permission yeah. if I could. First of all, just to date her, I called up to Mexico and asked. And then when I went, I went down to Mexico to um, spend some time with them. And, you know, unbeknownst to my wife, I went down to also speak to her parents and ask them permission to marry their daughter and all of that. And so um, by then I knew a little bit more, but it was still not a whole lot. And so I'm sure it was very choppy, you know, caveman sounding Spanish. But I remember that my, my wife at the time, she wasn't even my girlfriend yet. She was just my 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 love interest. But uh, we hadn't even started dating yet. And she she helped me. She was like, OK, well, what do you want to say to my dad? And and I, I basically told her and she was translating it. And so I called up her dad and read this uh, manuscript asking his permission to date, um, wow. to date his daughter. It was so awkward, but but it was cool. I mean, and they super appreciated that I you know went that extra step to to do that. And then uh, we were in Bible college at the time. And my wife was like, uh, you know, at the time, well, at the time, my girlfriend, she was telling all her friends and stuff because she thought it was super sweet that I did that. So I got some good uh, brownie points for that. But, <laughs> but yeah, those, those just like things that are those extra steps and those extra just sort of cultural things that are involved right. in these kinds of relationships that really make it, make it, it makes it fun and it makes it interesting. The thing is that there's another cool thing when you're over there in um, Zimbabwe and you go to visit people, they greet you and uh, the women uh, in the traditional way will come around with a pan for you to wash your hands and be, because usually they're going to feed you. So they'll come around with a towel in, in a pan for you to go wash your hands. And uh, they're, they're, always, um, they're always very um, appreciative of you and thankful of you and, and respective of you. Yeah, I thought, wow, that's something. I said, I hope you don't never lose that when you come here <laughs> because, because I mean, America, we got the exact opposite, man. People just don't respect people, darn. Yeah. It's, it's just, you know, they, they are very nice people. And when you're over there, they just really traditionally, um, you know, the women greet you really well and are just nice to you. People are just nice. They're um, cordial. So I, I thought that was pretty cool. The language thing, she speaks Shauna when she talks to her. It's, it's Shauna, and I have not learned. I mean, I, I, I've learned a couple of words in Shauna. And she hasn't, she hasn't taught the kids anything. You know, when she's trying to get them to do something, she might say a word like in Shauna real quick. <laughs> and yeah. she'll say, you know, something like, you know, <laughs> she'll, she'll, and they'll, they'll say, okay. But it, she, she always, she doesn't go around speaking the language to me, but she'll on the phone. She has talked to a friend of hers. There's a, cu a, a couple of twins that were up north in Indianapolis and both of them got married and they had a kid child just recently so she was on the phone talking to her last night she was speaking in shauna and and they were and she's up in um in indianapolis and chicago i think the other one's in chicago so i you know you hear that but i don't i don't know i don't have a word no what no idea, yeah. <laughs> no idea. <laughs> yeah 
So you know if she's some... talking about you or not. It's yeah, you know, <laughs> that's it's... what I said. I saw you talk about me one. <laughs> no, but um, yeah, you you just you um, you're just so appreciative when you go over there. You just say, man, I wish some of their the ways they were were here in America, because it, it's so nice. I mean, the way they are. I mean, the government is so messed up in Zimbabwe. I mean, it's it's like a dictatorship, you mm. know. They still, even after Mugabe died, but um. The people are just precious people. They're nice people, and they're not mean to you at all. They're just very. Her mom, her mom came over a couple of times, and her mom stayed one time, like almost three um, months, and she didn't want to do that again because when she came back to Zimbabwe, her place was in disarray. But she said she'll never do. It. But she stayed with us three months when we had one of our kids, and her mom, um, man, I tell you. Duke, I've never seen a woman clean like that woman. Everything was immaculate at the house. I came back and I said, what? I said, what happened here? <laughs> this place is clean. <laughs> and so this, this is a good story. We bought a, a secondhand toy from like Goodwill or something. We bought it for mm -hmm. the kids. My, kid, my wife went there. And so um, I came home from work one day and I, and I looked and I saw this toy and it looked like it just came out of the box. I said, would you, I said, you just bought a brand new toy for the kids. And my wife says, no, we got that toy at Goodwill. She said, my mom just cleaned it and, and cleaned it up and made it look nice. Wow. I said, that thing looks like it just came out of the box. I said, wow. So, I mean, I told her, I said, if you move to the United States, you would have and started your own cleaning business. Mm. You would make a ton of money if they clean like you. I said, cause oh, yeah. I mean, you go to her place when I was in Zimbabwe, you could eat off the floor. I mean, her wow. house, her house was, it was a regular house, but it was immaculate. And uh, she's getting older now. I don't know if she cleans that still that, that good, but <laughs> she was, I told her, I said, wow, man, great having you around. <laughs> she, and my wife cleans but I, my wife's not at that level <laughs> yeah <laughs> i need she some does. of that man whatever that is whatever that is i need some of that i i do not enjoy cleaning i don't I need some of that i don't either but um, um anyway. well so uh ricardo so you mentioned that um um in the in your pastoral role and uh, again, for, for anybody just listening <laughs> and not watching, uh, Ricardo is an African-American man. Yes. Um, and yeah. uh, so you um, you mentioned that, um, you know, in your ministry, you do have a lot of um, Caucasians or even uh, majority right. that, that, that come to the church. Is that something and, and something that you and I talked about is that, I mean, that's something that's that's rare I think in general, it's not super typical, but especially in the deep South. Right. right? Yes. On yes. here where, where you and I live, yes. there, has, there's a tendency for there to be white churches and for there to right. be black churches. Right. And then maybe you've got a little bit of, you know, one way or the other. You've got a you've got a, a handful of, you know, black people that attend the white church and a handful, you know. It, yes. it, it goes that way, but for the most part, it's um it's a pretty rare thing what you were talking about, as far as the dynamic that you have working in your in your ministry currently. Right. Is that something that 
as far as building multicultural ministries, and I know you came down here and for, for church planting because God was calling you to this area. And that's something that I, I'd love to get into as well. Ho- hopefully we have time for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but is that something that was kind of on your radar or something that was a desire in your heart as far as building multicultural ministries or something that just kind of has happened organically? Well, I think, you know, I, to be honest with you, I'm pretty amazed at it myself, dude, because yeah. I, I, we came down here and our, our focus, I, I was, I'm staff at that church nine years up in Ohio and the church um, was um, a spirit filled, charismatic type church. <clears throat> and so um, some of the praise and worship that we have there, it's not like soul black praise and worship, like, ah, you know, screaming and thank you, Jesus, you know, and everything like that. It's not like that. You know, it's, uh, you know, like uh, Hillsong or whatever, or, mm-hmm. you know, some uh, um, different ones, you know, different types of music. So I don't know if that's kind of what draw or draws people, but we do have more Caucasians that come to our church and I'm African-American. We have more Caucasians that come to our church than we have blacks, you know, that come. And and I, we've not, we didn't set out to do that. We we just were being us. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I can, I grew up in a Baptist church where there was, you know, a lot of that. And, and I know those songs, but my praise and worship style can be either. I'm, I, I'm not stuck in one or the yeah. other. But a lot of times we we know that the praise and worship that kind of ministers to people is from the heart. And some of that, you know, other stuff is soulish. It's soulish. It's like, you know, you get in the ah, screaming and you're like, are you praising God? Or are you just screaming? You know, it's like, what are you doing? You want to you want to touch God when you're doing praise and worship. So we try to get songs that are trying to praise and worship. But. Um, I don't know why that's it's with um, Caucasians coming. It's just always we've always drawn them mostly. And um, we have a lady from from Mexico area, you know, from down Brazil. Well, from Brazil, she comes and uh, she she's here. And then, you know, we have um, Caucasian folks that come and we have a few black people that come. It's a mixture. And mm-hmm. I, I think I said, man, thank God for that. You know, that that we I want to see more of that. And what I was talking to you about, I mean, you you I know you said that your pastor is African-American. Mm-hmm. And so you're on a staff of, of that. And that's what I wanted to talk to you. I mean, that's I, I said that that was so important because when I was back in Ohio on the staff of that church, I was a, a pastor on staff. I wasn't just a musician. I was right. Just, somebody that was involved in some and i'm not saying it's lower level but sure you know just some type of ministry just getting involved i was actually a pastor which i did funerals <laughs> i went and did funerals i did weddings uh, and i got people that re- talk to me now and say thanks for doing my wedding they were caucasian i did their wedding they were caucasians so you know i'm I think when the church, especially down here in South, the South, down here in Alabama, starts having different races on pastoral level, not just mm. music, not just leading youth, 
but in on a pastoral main pastoral level that's when things will break yeah because then that's that's a position of authority you know in in a lot of churches so um, yeah that's what i was saying to you on the phone i think that's what needs to happen that's why i'm glad your pastor is doing what he's doing with you because um you know i saw the same thing with what you're doing back in ohio with the large church african-american pastor he had a huge church and he had an associate pastor that was caucasian for years and i thought that was so awesome when i saw that happen his church still grew still was amazing it was like it grew even more i think yeah. you know so i i think that needs to happen across the country because what did billy graham say billy graham said that i think he's the one that said between nine and twelve noon on Sunday morning in America is the most segregated time in our country. On it's Sunday the truth, morning. man. Billy Graham said something towards that effect. I'm probably not saying it exactly like he said it, but he I said know exactly it. what you're talking about, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got yeah. it close enough. <laughs> yeah, it was. He said it's the most segregated time in our country. Yeah, and he was right. You know, and yeah. so when we start doing more of that, um, I mean, we have a couple of big churches, you know, here in, in Baldwin County. And uh, um, I have yet to see, and I'm not down on them. I, I know sure. a couple of the pastors. I know a couple of the pastors. I know them personally. I've talked to them on the phone and uh, I've met them and, and even ate with them. But, um, you know, I don't think that they have um, African-Americans on their staff and they're Caucasian on their pastor. Yeah. Yeah. They're large churches here in this area, you know. <clears throat> So I'm saying that's that I would like to see that happen. Yeah, it's uh, obviously it's a very different thing when you walk into a a church that is a, you know, predominantly white church as opposed to a church that's predominantly black. There's a different there's a different feel. There's a different, right. you know, the the way that emotions are, are touched in worship, the the kind of music that's done, the kind of preaching that's that's done. There there tends to be, of course, not in every church across the board, but speaking in generalities, right, there right. tends to be different, you know, things that are very, very different. And, you know, I I think that I mean, the most important thing is that the church is touching you know they're reaching the lost that people are are getting saved that they're getting discipled that's the most important thing right Uh, but i do but i do believe that it is the heart of god that we see diversity because there's 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 unity in that you know i mean we're supposed to be the representation of the heart of god here on the earth and so i i believe that we should strive for that and it just it's it doesn't happen as you pointed out to me in our in our previous uh, sort of like texting conversation, it doesn't happen by itself. It, it really right. very, very rarely happens by itself. It's cool. It's awesome that it's uh, actually happening um, through you and where you are. Uh, but but even that, even though, you know, you didn't go out and say, I'm going to attract a bunch of white people to my church, like even though that wasn't, you know, what your goal was. But still, you know, you mentioned to me that it's like the style, you know, of of music and different things. And, you know, it, it's not that one way is right or one way is wrong. It's right. just that it doesn't we, we don't attract diversity. If, you know, if I'm a if I'm a pastor and I'm starting a new church and I'm filling up my staff with all white people, then I'm probably going to be attracting all white people or 99 percent right. white people right. because that's right. the leadership that I'm setting up in place. And so something that you pointed out to me was. You know, that that's the way that you see diversity in your congregation is when you have diversity in your leadership. 
This is a conversation that we have all the time. And it's not just about, you know, having right. white people and black people in leadership. It's also about, you know, what are your practices in the church and in the ministry and in the operation of the church? You know, are you reaching out to people? You know, uh, are you reaching out to different kinds of people or are right. you focused on what one kind of person is going to like? And right. so it's something that we've been very, very intentional about from the beginning. Not, and we haven't been perfect at it by any means, but we've been in, we've been intentional about it, and we've had conversations over and over again about how can we attract, you know, people it. of all different you know communities. How can we um, adjust our worship style like this? And so, kind of like what you were talking about, um, we would do songs like Hillsong and and Bethel and things like that. Right. But um, our worship leader was so good at putting this um his own kind of spin onto it right. to give it a little bit more soul a little bit more right, right, you know sure. and to make it a little bit more um palatable or more attractive to right. where in other words where it could be attractive to everybody and right. you know this is a difficult thing because people like what they like and it's right. hard to change what people like and uh it's not even necessarily about trying to change what people like but one way or another, I, I think that we've um, we've got to figure out how to do this, especially in this area where you and I live, where right. there really is so much um, segregation. And again, the most important thing is that the gospel is being preached. People are getting saved. People are being discipled, all of that. But within that, um, I really do believe that it's the heart of God that there's diversity, that we're we're multicultural, that we're multi-ethnic. Um, and that we're not just sticking with what's comfortable for us. You know, I agree. I agree. I, you know, the thing is, you got to remember, and if somebody says, well, you know, they have people coming to their churches, they say, well, I don't know of any. Well, I, I mean, it, I, and I, I, I can't believe there's not anybody in your church that's of a different race that you can put on staff that's uh, spiritual. And so yeah. people say, well, I don't know anybody. I'm thinking if there's people coming to your church, there's some spiritual people that you can and probably that have the pastoral call or something like that. And you can look at them and say, hey, look, I'm going to uh, groom you or bring you on staff and so there are people there. So if people say there's nobody there, that's not true. I'm sure there's there's people. But like you said, you gotta come to a realization that you know heaven's gonna what heaven's gonna look like. We're gonna be all different races, come all on. people together. So we gotta get out of this mentality. I, you know, people say, well, you know, when I was doing it, they said, why don't you just have a preach to black people, black church? I said, I'm not doing that. I don't, I don't, I'm not just going to go up there and do all that hooping and hooping and screaming and stuff just so black people will come to my church. I said, I'm going to be, uh, as the Holy Spirit leads me neutral. <laughs> and I, I, and I get excited. I get excited. I scream, I get it, get it, but I'm not trying to be either or I'm trying to be in the middle here that we can draw every race, every people, yeah. you know, every background. So I, I, you know, cause some, some black people, when I was, when I was doing my church before they would say, well, you know, you should have some more black music in there. You know, you, you know, we're reaching black people. You should be reaching black people. I said, no, I'm not just reaching black people. I'm reaching every race of people. Yeah. You know, so I'm not, I'm not into that. I'm just, I'm into reaching every race of people. Like I said, we got a lady from Brazil that comes and she's every Sunday. She's here every Sunday. So, I mean, she she loves it. She loves the praise and worship. And uh, my wife, 
you know, puts in there sometimes, Shirley Caesar uh, or, or something, or, or, you know, is some soul in there. And, and I, I know that too, so I can praise God with that. And then she'll put in, like we said, Hillsong or Bethel or whoever you want to um, put in there. So we mix it up. And I think that that has a lot to do with it. If we get a Caucasian praise and worship leader, I'm fine with that. You know, I don't, I don't have any problem with that. You know, that's, that's or if we get an african-american that's that's fine with me too mm-hmm. you know it's whoever god least. but we want to keep people um you know to to a point where they can see hey look this church is for everybody legacy family church is for everybody it doesn't matter don't feel like oh that's a because people will come by and they see you and they think oh he's a black person i can't come to that church some people think that yeah, they think you know. I'm sure you yeah. have it in, in Mobile. They sure. They think, oh, well, it's, it's it's a black church. Um, I you know, then I then I can't go there. But that's ridiculous. Yeah. That's totally ridiculous. You well, know? here's the truth, Ricardo. It's more likely for a black person to go to a white church than for a white person to go yes, to a black church. You know, it is. It's, it's, that's it just is. that's just the truth, and it's. It um, it's uh, it's sad man uh, just overall it. just overall from a 30,000 foot view it's this thing that you look at and you're like man like i wish that wasn't the case i i you know i want to change this like i wish we could change this and you know it's uh it's just one of those things it's like differences in culture but there's got to be a way for us to come together and to honor one another's you know dif- differences in in culture and differences in preference and things like that and somehow you know incorporate those things i was talking a a while back to a friend of mine who's a pastor uh you know more up up north on the east coast and um you know he used to he pastors a church now where there's a lot of diversity but he used to pastor a church where there was like i think 80 something nations represented um congregation and it, it was something that i was so like envious of Cause I, I, I love yeah. this so much, but at the same time, it's like, that's gotta be, that's gotta bring with it such unique challenges because you want to find ways to honor and to incorporate like so many different cultures and, and uh, practices and things like that into your worship service, into the experience that people are having. But obviously you can't, you, you can't do that <laughs> at least not on a weekly basis when you right. have that many you know right. people right. and nations represented and cultures represented. So those are unique challenges and it gets a little bit messy in terms of, you know, how do we actually break down these walls and these barriers, these things that divide us? Um, and as you said, I think it just comes down to, you know, we've it's got to be spirit led because the, the last thing that we want to do is just um, fill a position with a person just because of right. the color of their right. skin or because right. of what country right. they're from or whatever. Right. It's got to be spirit led. Right. Uh, but but at the same time, I think we've got to be willing to drop our own barriers and defenses that we have up that would pre- prevent us from, you know, maybe even on a subconscious level, seeing the value in somebody or seeing the gifting in somebody, because right. maybe there's something that says, you know what I mean? Like they're not my skin color or they have a different way of doing things or different way of teaching or whatever. And so because it's not the way I do it, it, it must be inferior. And, um, you know, I think, I think on a very basic level, getting, getting past those things in our mind and being able to see people 
um, for who they are, not through the lens of whatever our own, you know, ideas, preconceived notions, prejudices, even sure. and things like that, you know? Sure. I mean, you know, we know the um, history you do of William Seymour in 1906. Yeah, Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, <laughs> that was 1906, and he had people from all races, creeds, and backgrounds at that revival. Mm. I mean, it was a move of the Holy Spirit. I mean, that's probably what we were talking about getting down to, you know, and, and instead of being so um, segmented, just when we let the Holy Spirit move and we see gifts in people, I like what you said, just said, you got to see, and I think some of them, I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm just going to speak honest. I think some of them have seen the gifts in people that are not of their race, but they refuse to do it because of what people will think. Mm. Yeah, you know, that's a big one. Have, some of these churches right, and probably have seen the gifts in some people that are different races. And uh, that's a big know, one. And said, um, you know, oh, man, they're gifted. I don't know about making that move. I don't know how that will look with the church. I don't know. But they need to not listen to that prejudice spirit because that's a prejudice spirit and say, I'm going to bring that guy on anyway because God yeah. is new. You know? Yeah, it's all, it's all, I'm just thinking about it. It's almost easier when you're planting a church from from scratch to say, this is how we're going to build this from the ground up. And we're going to make sure that we have diversity of leadership. Right. You know, if you have a church that's been established for 30 years, years and you've got some folks in your church that have been there for right. 25 plus years, right. and they're like your big tithers, right. and, you know what I mean? And, and they're used to the culture being a certain way. That's right. scary for a lot of, for a lot of pastors and, and uh, leaders of ministries to suddenly want to rock the boat and shake things up and be like, oh, well, we're going to bring in this kind of flavor or we're going to change up our worship format to be more like this. And, you know, people can get offended over such little things like that. Right. Um, and uh, yeah, I do think that 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 can really be a, a fear for a lot of people. And, and I think what you said is, is totally right on. You know, we can we can be in that place where we we do see the merit or we do see the gifting of somebody but for fear of whether it's losing people or for fear of offending somebody else or whatever kind of like go the safe route instead of you know again just listening to what the holy spirit is saying in that situation it's a a huge one yeah that's true that's a good comment yeah so um why why lower alabama i i know that uh back in 2011 i think i think is is what i read that you started to sense this transition from the lord that he was transitioning you from the ministry that you were in to a to a greater focus on church planting and you ended up coming to this area what was it was it just god said this is it or was there something else that kind of led you to this area in particular yeah, I I was praying in the Holy Spirit. I had never been down here. I had never wow. been down to the south. My mom is from, I found out, and I probably knew this when we were growing up, but I didn't think about it, but she's from Alabama here, about a few miles north of here. Okay. She actually, I mean, well, she, she well, let, let me go back and say this to, to be correct. Her parents are from here. Her mom and dad were from here. She was actually born up in Ohio, so I, I got to correct that. She, she, her, her folks were from a little bit 
more north. So, and I met some of them when I first came down here, but I just felt I was praying and God was starting to move me from getting me not, not satisfied. And I was just, uh, and I started praying, Lord, what do you want me to do? And Alabama came up in my spirit. He said, I want you to move to Alabama. I said, Alabama. I was like, what? <laughs> so I just kept praying about it. And then we, I found out somebody down here that was living down here that was actually at our church at one point. And they were um, working in the parking lot, uh, directing traffic. And I was over them, you know, because I was over all the volunteers. So I found out that they were down here and living in Daphne. Um, well, Malvis, really, which is mm -hmm. Spanish for. So I found out they were living there. And so we came down for a conference in Louisiana at one of the churches in Louisiana. And I told my pastor, I said, I'm just going to go. I'm not going to go back with you guys. We're going to go over to uh, this guy where this guy stays over in um, Malvis. And I'm going to check out the area. I'm praying about some things and he was fine. We said, all right. So I went over and stayed with him for a few days, prayed and felt God was calling me to this area. So I went back home and told my wife and she was like, what? And I said, I just, <laughs> you know, I said, I know uh, we don't know anybody down there, but God's calling us. So uh, we packed up and uh, I guess said, I have been there nine years and six months at that church, nine years wow. on staff and uh, had my own uh, secretary, had my own parking space, had a retirement plan set, had nice all that job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I had, I, it was, it was, it was nice. And uh, so I said, I'm moving out. And uh, so my pastor, I told him, I said, I believe I know where God's called me to go. And he goes, Texas, right? Texas. He was like, and he said, is that where you think God's calling you? I said, no, Alabama. He goes, Alabama? <laughs> he was like, <laughs> he was the same way. He was like, what are you doing? They're going to Alabama. So I said, well, and then, you know, before I left, he played. I, I remember I stepped up on the podium to talk to everybody kind of before I left one of the times. And he was playing the Alabama song <laughs> in the speakers. <laughs> Sweet home Sweet Alabama. Sweet home Alabama, baby. Come on. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I got to love that song now. I like it. But um, he was playing it. And so I came down and uh, we packed up. It was wintertime. It was in January. And we came down. My wife was pregnant with our um, third. Um, no, our fourth. Our fourth. So we've had from four till nine down here Wow. <laughs> with our fourth. And um, we came down. She drove one car. I drove another car. And we had walkie talkies. We came down here, stayed, <laughs> stayed at a hotel, and we had people raise a lot of money for us to That's start. That's awesome. You know, because um, uh, our pastor had a lot of business people at the church, so they um, got together and did a fundraiser and raised a lot of money for us to start off. Yeah. So it was it was a blessing. So we just felt God called us. I just can tell you that I don't have any other thing that you know to tell you that we felt God called us and. So we came down here and planted this church and, uh, um, you know, we just are waiting. We're just looking to see what God's going to do in the future. Mm. You know, that's what we're doing right now. So, man, we got here like almost right around the same time. My, my wife and I moved here in, I think it was September of 2011. Wow. 
Yeah, yeah. really at the same time. Yeah. Right. That's amazing. So we've been in each other's backyard for, well, across the bay, but, you know, close yeah, enough for yeah. for for the the entire time um so anyway it's cool that we finally got a chance to connect yeah yeah but um so in that so having the sense that the lord was leading you here and then i know that um you know uh, i i mentioned earlier as i was just kind of sharing a little bit about your bio and your background that you had this sense or that you knew that the Lord was calling you into ministry from a pretty young age, from the age of 17. Mm -hmm. Um, What can you tell me for you as far as your journey of hearing God's voice or learning to hear God's voice, learning to be led by the spirit? Is that something that, that you have struggled with or do struggle with, or is it hearing the voice of God and knowing that it's God's voice? Is that something that's always kind of, clicked for you or been natural or is it something that's been a um a learning process for you oh man or both it's okay it's both (laughs) that's that's a great question dude it it's been a learning process it's not always been you know um 100 hearing it bam and then going i've i fasted prayed Mm. and and i did one before i came down here i remember i went away and fasted for a few days to make sure I was doing the right thing. And I had a piece about it. It's awesome. Um, So um, I was just talking, I was just thinking about that the other day, that question, because we always want to hear God's voice, particularly and want to know God's voice. But the Bible talks about, let the peace of God be your umpire, right? Yeah. Let it direct you. Colossians 3.15. Colossians 3.15. So you try to go by that peace and big decisions need big guidance. I once heard a minister say that. So you, you need big confirmations if you're making a big decision like a move. Mm. So you need a lot of confirmation. You don't just step out and move. So if I'm making a big decision, I'm, I'm fasting, I'm praying, um, I'm seeking God um, about the future. You know, and just like with, um, I have my book here, Glory to God, my uh, um, prayer journal here i don't want to see what's all on it so i'll just go like that real quick <laughs> Flash it <laughs> it's, quick. A prayer, it's a prayer journal but uh i have on there things that um i'm praying about and i just came off of a, a fast three-day fast i i usually pray for every one of my children i go on a fast for every one of my children when i find wow, that's out beautiful my wife's pregnant when i find out she's pregnant then I go on a, a three or four day fast, however much the Lord leads me, leads me, and I'm praying for her health during the pregnancy. I'm praying for the baby, uh, that the baby is 100% whole, healthy, no problems with the, the physical part or, or anything, that the baby f- fulfills God's purpose and that her mm. body's well, because she's a little older now. She's had nine, this is her nine, she's in her 40s. And uh, this is, you know, 42 she is, my wife now. So it's a little, it's a little bit different when she's older. Sure. So we pray for that. And I've always done that. So that's something I just came off of doing that just last week. I even had a mattress here at the church. <laughs> wow. We slept in two, three nights here at the church. I actually told her and she goes, that's fine. I know where you're at because we're not that, we don't live that far from the church. So I took took a mattress here, Duke, and I 
I fasted for th- you know three nights and there's some other things I prayed over and I just felt after prayer that God was I had five things that I fasted besides that for and prayed and God was going to do it and I believe He's doing it. He's He's confirmed it in my prayer time. So you're talking about hearing God's voice and you know I you have to pray it through and when you pray it through and you got a peace then you then you go and do it. You go right after it. So it's it's not been just automatic. It's been praying and seeking God's will. I don't just want to hmm. step off. And I think everybody should be that way. Everybody's got to be that way. I, I, you know, there might be something that God says to you, okay, go this direction, like right away. And you just know, okay, that's it. Sure. But when you're making decisions, major decisions about your life and your future, you need to get in some prayer and you need to have God's peace lead and guide you. So that's what I try to do all the time. Mm. I so, so appreciate what you just said. Um, Something that we've always been really big on is um, teaching people that they can hear the voice of God and teaching practical things for learning to grow and hearing the voice of God. I know for me, for a lot of years, and uh, especially at the early part of my ministry, uh, just really struggled a lot with hearing God's voice. And I figured I would just make excuses for why I couldn't hear God's voice. And and that was that was it. I kind of lived that way for a little while and I got kind of comfortable um, or I had a, a sense of comfort, I should say, in my mind in, in the early part of my ministry of kind of like doing ministry with just with the Bible, which is awesome, which is our, our number one tool. But like with the the word of God, but without, you know, hearing that fresh rhema from God on, a, on an ongoing basis. And I would kind of make excuses for myself and justify it in my mind. And it just was this major battle for me for for a while. And God, God started to show me um, some things and the Holy Spirit's the best teacher. And he'll he'll teach us and he'll lead us and he'll show us things, you know, when we when we really allow him to to do that. Um, and so I believe that hearing the voice of God is supposed to be simple, like it's supposed to be a normal aspect of our lives. But I so appreciate what you said there about fasting and about kind of like taking your responsibility on your end to say, God, like, I want to hear you clearly on yes. this. And, and and I'm not just going to say god speak to me and if i don't hear you or if i don't have clarity or whatever that i'm gonna somehow you know blame you or that i'm gonna somehow like give up or whatever like let me let me take some responsibility on my end as well and you know i don't believe in fasting from a by any means from a religious standpoint or from this thing of like like oh i have to fast so that i can hear god or I have right. to fast so that God can be pleased with me. Like, no, that's right. not why we fast. Right. But there right. is something real about setting aside time and yeah. setting aside yourself, right? And and kind of like setting yourself apart for a season, whether it's a day or if it's yeah. an hour or if it's a week or whatever it is. Right. And just kind of setting setting yourself aside to the Lord and saying, um, you know what, God, I'm going to I'm going to make this about you and I'm going to put in the work, so to speak. And 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 again, this is not a works thing. It's not about it's not about works mm-hmm. um, and it's not like fasting is not this thing. It can become this thing for us where all the all the spiritual disciplines, right? Fasting, worship, prayer, Bible reading, going to church, all these different things that we do. Right. 
we can turn it into this thing where we think that it's like us twisting the arm of God, trying to get him to respond or trying to get him to do something for us. And that's not what it is at all. It's, it's, it's me saying, you know what, like I've probably got some junk in my head and uh, it would just be, it'd be best for me and for me getting to that place where I can have receive that peace of God that surpasses yeah. understanding. If I yeah. can kind of, um, just kind of get over myself for a little bit. And sometimes right. I've got to set myself aside, set, set myself apart, get out of the, the regular routine of life and fast or whatever that looks like. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I think that that's a beautiful thing that you just said. It's super practical. And, um, you know, I think that that's something that gets overlooked a lot of times in daily life. You know what I mean? Well, you got to This is the thing, Duke. You got to shut your flesh down. Because your flesh is always, I mean, your flesh, there's got to be a point where there's times where you shut your flesh down and you you let your spirit man rise up. Because, I mean, your flesh sometimes tries to dominate your your life, and it does. And I don't care how spiritual you are, that's that happens. And so fasting gives you, allows you to shut your flesh down, to stop it, you know, and to say, okay, you know, I, you, I'm in, we're in control now. The Holy, the Spirit of God and my human spirit. I want to hear what God is saying inside me. I, I don't want the flesh to be involved in this. Mm. I want to hear what God is saying, because the flesh will keep talking. It'll keep giving reason. It'll keep, but you, there's times you got to shut that flesh down. So I think that's part of it too. That's a big part of it, you know, and and. You know, the, it, it, it works. It works. It takes you some time to just sit. I mean, I, I'm telling you, because your mind's always going, your mind's going 100 miles an hour, different places. You need to just sit and just see God's not speaking in your intellect, right? He's not speaking in your intellect. God is speaking in your spirit, your heart. That's where he is. He's not in your intellect. He's in your heart. So you, you, that's where he's going to speak at you. Yeah, he's not going to speak to you in your body. He's not going to speak to you in your mind. He's going to speak to you in your spirit because that's where he is. That's where he's residing. So you got to shut down all the mother areas and say, I want to hear what you're saying inside my spirit, man. You know, and that's 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 the battle. That's the battle to hear that at different, different times. And he'll lead and guide you, you know, and I'm talking about major decisions on this aspect. You know, and then there's times you just want to get along and just hear God about th other things. You know, there's <laughs> direction. And once you heard it, what what I hear, I'm trying to, I can't remember the exact quote, but it was like, or Robert said it. He was saying it, I think, to um, one of the ministers. He said, look, when you know what God's called you to do and you have God's assurance in it, God's peace, he said, you go and do it. Hell come hell, high water. You complete that thing. Mm -hmm. You do whatever you have to do. And I'm not saying it quite like he said it, but he said, you do whatever it takes to get that thing done. When you know that, you know, that God's told you to do it. You know, you, yeah. once you know, and you're knower, don't let anybody else, don't let anybody else talk you out of it. Don't let anybody else stop you. You yeah. know, you go do it once you know for sure. So that's what I try. That's what we're trying to do you know, during those times. Yeah. And something that's been really helpful for me is just kind of learning to hear God speak in the, like the mundanity. I don't know if that's the, the right word or not, but just sort of in, in regular everyday life, 
mm-hmm. and just learning to hear God, learning to just kind of have that fellowship on the level of relationship, you know, because so often God just wants to talk to you. He wants to, you know, we we talk about prayer and we think about prayer as this sort of one way thing where we're telling God what we want or how we feel or whatever. And we don't always give him the opportunity to to speak to us, right. but he's speaking to us like he's. He yeah. like Jesus is the word. Like Jesus is the word of God. He's not he's not quiet. He's not distant from us in terms yeah. of in terms of that. And so often I think that God just wants to talk to us even just on the level of relationship, reminding yeah. us that he loves us, reminding us like it, it so you know so often in 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 my daily life like I'll just have these thoughts kind of kind of pop into my mind of, um, you know, something that I forgot to do or whatever. And, uh, you know, it's so easy to just say like, oh, good. I I just remembered that. Or, you know, oh, I'm just thinking about this person or Mm -hmm. whatever. But, you know, I think when we learn to live with an expectation of God's voice, it just helps us to be better positioned to to hear his voice and and i think that it's within the 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 regular everyday living kind of stuff where we learn to have that communion with god i think that it positions us to hear god more clearly when it comes to the big things of life you know so right. it's not i haven't heard god in years and all of a sudden i've got this ginormous decision to make that's going to affect my entire life and my family and of course god can still get through to me and he can speak to me he can make it clear and he can you know he can do all that he can but i i just think that if we're learning to sort of develop that lifestyle of walking with the lord where it's not just us talking and complaining about stuff and calling it prayer but it's like having conversations with god um you know what i mean then then i just think that it it makes it that much more i don't want to say easy even though it it really well, anyway, I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily want to use the word easy, but um, I just think it becomes simplified for us when we, when it comes to again those bigger decisions, and yeah, and and again, and I'm totally with you on the side of you know take some time, especially if you've got a big decision to make or whatever, right. take some time to fast, set some side, some some time aside for the Lord, and uh, you know I don't fast probably as much as I should. <laughs> I I used to I used to fast a lot. Neither do I. I I used to fast a lot. I used to fast like um, a lot, let's just say. And it became a a religious thing for me. It it got to the point where it was this religious thing where if I didn't do it or if I didn't do enough days that I felt condemned. And so I got to a point where I kind of went away, you know, I I kind of and that was that was a bunch of years ago. But, um, you know, we do if we do certain things as a as a pastoral team, we do periodic fast as a church family we do a fast you know once a year as a lot of churches do um on a personal level you know i'm a little bit well, <laughs> i probably don't fast as much as i should so i'm not trying to like paint myself as some you know spiritual giant who's like so good at fasting you know what i mean but yeah. but there's for for real you know merit in that and um it's uh well, yeah the, anyway yeah i was thinking when you were talking in the bible you know, when they were, um, uh, what, was, what was it, Silas? And um, there were some people they were commissioning for ministry in the book of Acts. They said when they had prayed and fasted, then the Holy Ghost said, separate yeah. 
you know, yes, for the work I've called them to. I'm trying to remember the exact scripture, but people that are Bible scholars know what I'm talking about. (laughs) There was was prayer and fasting before they placed them in the ministry and where they wanted them to go. So like you're saying, um, there's times I don't do it all. I mean, I, like I say, I don't, I, there's times I don't do it every week or every, but there, there are specific things that, you know, when it comes to, um, like I said, with my wife's, the children, I usually do and uh, stuff like, and then decisions about coming down here. I remember I got into some prayer and fasting to make mm. sure that I was making, cause you're moving a whole family. You're moving yeah. the whole situation. So you, you just need to make sure this is this is what God's telling you to do. And, you know, now, now putting on your pants in the morning, you don't need to fast and pray about that or brush or or, or, or where, where you should stop and eat food. You know, people start doing all that, then they're going a little crazy. And then, it gets know, legalistic quick. Yeah, get legalistic. But, you know, you can, I was one of those Christians for a while, man. Yeah, yeah, don't do <laughs> for that. sure. Like, what color am I supposed to wear today? What, like, yeah. all this kind of stuff? It can get controlling, and yeah. that's not God. God's no, not out to control God. us. No, no, for sure. No. Yeah, right. brother, I I appreciate you, man. I appreciate the the time that I've had with you, getting to know you a little bit more, and hear your story and your background, and what God's doing in you and through you. I'm super excited that you have a another baby on the way. It's amazing. <laughs> God bless you guys. We've got another one on the I mean, way as well, yeah. but it's only number I mean, three yeah. for us. So we've got oh, two boys. Three? Okay. We've got two boys, and uh, my wife is due next month. We're having a, a little girl. Oh, awesome. Congratulations. So, yeah. Thank you, man. Fantastic. Yeah. I'm glad to hear that. Congratulations. Yeah. Um, uh, maybe you guys will keep going now. <laughs> yeah, we're a third of the way to you. But the, the, proce- the thought process that you were thinking of, that you were mentioning earlier is something that was became very real to me uh, because my wife and I originally we had talked about having, you know, four or five kids or something like that. And we have two and we've had two for a while. Our oldest or excuse me, our youngest is seven right now. Okay. So we've had two kids for seven years. And in my mind for a while, I was thinking, well, maybe we're done, you know, maybe at some point we'll adopt or something like that, but maybe, maybe we're just done. And, um, my wife was kind of getting the baby fever again. And I was, and she's, she's here. So she's, she's given, she's, she's staring me down right now, but it's the truth. And then, and then, so I, I probably scared her when I, (laughs) (laughs) don't don't be scared. She needs to talk to my wife tell her. (laughs) No, no, no. It's all good. But, but I, I started to have this thought process and I actually had some conversations with people and articulated it that I was like, you know what, right now I'm thinking about where I'm at and with our kids and our family and it's comfortable and just thinking about finances and just like the different things. And I was like, you know what? I don't want to get to the point in my life where, you know, 20, 30 years from now, I'm looking back and I'm seeing my kids growing up and building their families and seeing grandkids running around and stuff like that and look back and be like, you know what, like have kind of have that regret or disappointment that we we stopped too soon because we were too focused on on the present and too focused on being comfortable. And right. uh, that was something that I, that I struggled with um, a little bit when, uh, you know, kind of getting ready and just trusting the Lord enough to to intentionally go for for child number three. 
And mm-hmm. um, but anyway, we're we're so pumped, we're so excited, and the fact that we're having a girl is um awesome. just amazing. Boys, God right? answers prayers because you know you <laughs> my you wife know. is super outnumbered. <laughs> yeah, you can't. That, the one thing you got to get rid of is selfishness. Because man, when you have a big family, yeah, selfishness goes out the door. Yeah, I mean, you got you 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 don't have any selfishness, man. I I mean, my chips are gone, my food, my <laughs> drinks are gone, my pops are gone. I come home, I said, hey, I thought I had a pop, and they said. So and so took it. My wife said, "I said okay," <laughs> or I, I so I have to hide some of my candy bars if I get like a treat <laughs> every once in a while. But I can't even right. imagine with with eight <laughs> and with teenagers. But it, it's it's it's. I tell you, you know, it, you you like I say, I told you that was the number one regret I've heard from people. What you just said. Yeah. I wish they would have had more. And these are older women. Older women that come to me, I come to, and they say it to my wife. They say it. They say, "You are so blessed. I wish I would have had more." You know. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. But anyway, Whew. all right. Well. Yeah, man. Well, where could we um, just um, sh- uh, let's see? Where can we point some people if they're interested in checking out some of your uh, sermons or yes. something like that? They're Is all- that the church website or? Yes, they're on our website. It's Legacy family alabama all together legacyfamilyalabama.com legacyfamilyalabama.com thanks for putting it on there legacyfamilyalabama.com all my sermons are on there um they go come on every week i put them on after i preach them within that week sometime i try to get them on um for the most part so they're on there also i i I told you at the end we have a newsletter and oh, yeah. the newsletter is a speak truth newsletter. But the way we do the newsletter, and I was just felt in, you know, there's a story behind it. So people want to know why I do it this way. But I felt that the Lord told me just to send it to households, to homes. I don't do the do anything with social media with it. I just get addresses and I actually write it out and type it out and I send it to people's homes monthly once a month mm. so um if people are interested in that and it's kind of a um it's it's issues driven you know i mean i talk biblically about things but i talk about some of the hot button issues you know like abortion like um you know some of the things people don't want to talk about gay rights and all that mm-hmm. stuff all the things and political i might hit on some of that you know, we talked about some of those things. Plus, we and we bring scripture into it, and we talk about talk about some of those hot button issues that some churches won't even touch on Sunday morning, won't even go there. Sure. So that's what the newsletter kind of is, is about. We actually teach there at times too. Just might have a teaching, but mainly that's kind of the thrust of it. So it's Speak Truth newsletter, and they can get it by going on our website and submitting their home address to me. And uh, we'll get it out to them if they're interested in it. Awesome. Legacyfamilyalabama.com. Yes. Um, All right. Well, uh, Ricardo, thank you again, sir. I appreciate you. Appreciate your ministry. It's cool that we're like minded in uh, in a lot of different ways here. And I'm uh, I'm pumped just to to know you and to get to know you a little bit better going forward here as well. Me too. Me too. We'll get got a good relationship going. Yeah. Appreciate you, man. 
I'd like to meet your pastor too sometime. That would be awesome too. It'd be awesome. And hey, listen, if there's anything that um that comes up, anything that I can do to just be supportive to you, to your ministry, you know, anything, just don't hesitate to ask. Same here. Same here. All right. God bless. Right. Yeah, you too. Thank you, everybody, for taking the time to check out this episode. Really appreciate you guys. I hope that it was a blessing to you, encouraging, maybe challenging in some way. Uh, If it blessed you in any way, if you'd consider um, subscribing, sharing, leaving a review, leaving a comment, anything like that, I just appreciate you guys so much. You can catch all past episodes at redcircle.com slash shows slash real live talk or wherever you get your podcast, Spotify, Apple, Google, etc. Uh, So yeah, have a good rest of your week.